So, we're back after half term and the countdown to Christmas is well and truly underway. Not only is this the run up to mocks, but a multitude of school Christmassy activities that tend to mark out the start of this season too. But with that, and everything else that tends to be going on in life, it's like trying to pour a quart into a pint pot, as my dear old granddad would say. That's right, it's not just you that's finding it tricky to juggle everything all of the time. Hello, and welcome to the Study Sessions podcast. I'm Nathan, founder of The Study Buddy, and your host. In this, our third season of the podcast, we're chatting with parents, students, and teachers to hear how things are going. Specifically, we're interested in the highs and lows, the trials and tribulations in the run-up to exams in 2022. We'll be covering everything from trouble getting going to burning the candle at both ends, from overzealous and anxious to underperforming yet nonchalant. Through these shared real-world experiences, I hope that you'll take some comfort that you're not alone. Perhaps more importantly, I also hope that you'll take away some insights and advice as to how to support your own team, so that they'll not just survive the exams, but thrive in the preparation. So, if you're a parent, a carer, or a teacher, be sure to subscribe. This week, I'm chatting with Jenny. Jenny is mum to two girls, one in year 11, so presumably working hard towards her GCSEs in the summer, and the other in year 10, so really just starting out on this whole GCSE journey. Jenny, it's great to have you here with us on the podcast. To kick off, I wonder if you could just tell us a bit about what family life is like with you. Family life is always busy, but I don't know any families who would say otherwise. So I have two girls. They are thankfully both at the same school. They're in years 10 and 11. I work full time. My husband works full time. So we are in and out of the house, you know, thanks to lockdown, the after effects in the house a little bit more than we were. So that's good for kind of keeping on top of things. So we work, both work at least, you know, five days a week plus. Girls are in school five and a half days a week. So they will often be in school on a Saturday. They'll be doing lots of sport on Saturday. So sport is a big feature of their lives. It doesn't feature in our lives at all, apart from driving them to things and from things and standing on the touchlines. So sport's really a big part of what they do. So how much of that actually takes place? As you say, sort of the travelling to and for, how serious are they about their sporting activities? I'd say they both take it very seriously. I'd say one of my daughters probably is slightly more focused than the other. And if she doesn't have a structured sport activity, she will do a workout at home or she'll go for a run or she'll say, mm, I haven't got this today, but perhaps I'll just go and play football outside, loves just being active. She would take it very seriously. She has you know, quite sort of focused ambitions as to where she wants to go. And I can see sport always being part of her life. The younger one really enjoys sport. It would be fair to say she feels a little bit in her sister's shadow, but her sister works probably a little bit harder. But, you know, it's it's a big part of their lives, their social lives, where their friends are. And as they get older and they play not so much school sport, but women's sport, I get messages like, Mum, can you pick me up from the pub after? That's where match tees are. And a whole different ballgame starts. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so very focused, very focused. They're both sports scholars at their school. So what that means is that they have to give a lot of extra. They have extra training, extra activities they have to give extra. And it makes their days longer as well, obviously, because there's 
practices afterwards and in matches and in presumably other sort of club activities at the weekend. But it also makes it longer for you as well, doesn't it? So you've got to be there, sort of schedule your time around them a bit more. It does. And you kind of made me laugh about the scheduling because when they went back into school in September and it was back into school full time, I would sit down on a Sunday evening with kind of a planner that somebody had given to one of them for Christmas with lots of post-its with kind of flowers and teddies on. And I'd write the days of the week on and who's doing what, when, where, you know, what time does they don't leave, finish school until maybe six o'clock. Who has to be where, when, who's going to be driving them there and what could I possibly cook them to eat in the middle? <laughs> So the menus would be planned around, all right, this is a quick jack of potato before you go, or maybe I can cook something decent tonight to get some nutrition in you. That then helps them think, well, when can I, if I've got homework to do, I'll have to do it on this night because now I know I'm on that night. So that little bit of planning on a Sunday really helped. And so that sounds like it could become almost a a militaristic operation, planning who needs to be where, whether you're taking one of them, Ed's taking one of them, how they're getting back and all of those kinds of things. Does that mean that there's, it sort of takes the fun out of sort of family life and sort of the evenings or? (laughs) Oh, there's some evenings when there's definitely no fun. (laughs) (laughs) I think you just kind of, when you've got downtime, And sometimes you do have to think, I can't just have a conversation with my children about a schedule. So there are times when I'll just want to come home and think, shit, I've had a really hard day's work and I've got to do this, this, this and tonight. And I just want to go, where are you doing? What are you doing? What's your homework? And you just have to stop and just chat about something. And I'm quite mindful that I've got to remember to do that. Yeah, because it can be all consuming, can't it? I mean, especially well school work on its own so Emily plays the violin she's not a she's not a sporty person at all so we just have violin practice or cello to get to we don't have to worry about everything else and even then it can feel like it sort of becomes everything so if you've got two doing sport and everything else this I can see it could feel like it was being a bit much and all you're doing is feeling like you're nagging surely you can feel like you're nagging but you just have to be really careful about how you have conversations with them. So I think, you know, one of my daughters is always wanting to do everything, always want to put her hand up for everything. So it's about, you know, how can we get her from A to B? I never have to ask her about whether she's done her homework. She's very organised. She's very on it. She's got lists. So I can just let her be. It's just a case of knowing where do I, where do we have to take her, when and where. So the older one is old in her year and is very organised. There's only 17 months between them. So it's really easy to push them together and think that they are, they behave the same, but they are, you know, one is a lot younger than the other. And the younger one is very young in her year. She's a June birthday. So actually she probably needs a little bit more guidance and she's not as, you know, as structured. So if I go into their bedrooms, you know, one will be neat and tidy and one will be a bombsite. And you've got to remember that that's not a reflection of what they're doing that's just way they choose the way they choose to live so I try not to nag but they would probably say I do nag (laughs) gently guide and question but they'd probably say it's nagging I feel that I feel that all over with Em and Jake I think would have said exactly the same like just leave me alone you're nagging I'm fairly sure I'm actually being encouraging (laughs) I thought I was going about this in a good way and I think you have to really know your children so for example this morning I knew that one of mine was really anxious about school today I knew she was anxious that she'd forgotten to do some homework or she didn't realize she had some homework until 10 o'clock it was set yesterday she only looked after she'd done some volunteering because there's loads of time in the day to do volunteering she did some volunteering last night discovered at 10 o'clock she had homework couldn't do it was really worried about going into school 
I knew this morning wasn't the time to ask her about whether she was still planning on doing a new hockey thing in a different location with different people tonight. Whereas perhaps my husband hadn't quite picked up on that and went straight in with a question and got an answer <laughs> that he really didn't want. <laughs> but by the time we'd got to school and had a chat about a few other things, we had a kind of reasonable conversation about it and a, and a good answer. You know, similarly, I should say, there are other times when I will completely see red and react and he is totally calm. So, you know, there's a, there is balance between us. That's really funny you should say that because we had the same with Michelle. There'd be times when, and I'm not sure why I would be sort of the, I was going to say I would be the unreasonable one. I know exactly why I'd be the unreasonable one. But there'd be occasions when I'd be unreasonable and she'd she'd be the, the level-headed. And then some of the times it would just switch. And it wasn't by prior arrangement. Oh, I'll be bad cop this time. But you just seem to find that, don't you, that... Well, you just play off against each other, sort of keeping some sort of karmic balance. It's a bit like at breakfast time when you kind of, you know, there's lots of people in the kitchen and everybody's getting each other's way a little bit. If there's just kind of two of you or two or three of you, you kind of roughly know where everybody's going to be and there's harmony in getting breakfast ready. But if throw one more person in and they're always standing where you want to be and it kind of gets in the way. And I think juggling our life is a bit like, you know, making breakfast sometimes my husband and I pretty much know what each other's going to do so I pretty much know that if it's a long distance hockey match he's the one who will do the long drive and he will take them if it's the at home hockey match I will tend to do that because at weekends then I'm at home and I'm walking the dog or getting the washing on or getting the school uniform ready for the following week so Actually, we've kind of got that unwritten balance in how family life works, I suppose. If we think then about schoolwork, do you find that one of you tends to do more of the encouraging, cajoling, nagging when it comes to homework and revision and study and all of that kind of thing? Or is that equally shared as well? So I would say the way we kind of have balanced what we do in our busy lives is that my husband is more in tune with what's happening in out-of-school sport. So he will know what team they're on, what's happening, where they're playing, what colour kit they need, where the match is. He'll fill in the doodle poles. He's all over that and I will have no clue and I'll just say, tell me where I'm going and I'll go there and I'll drive them. And halfway there it might be, I forgot the right child in the right colour, but I generally, you know, that's what happens. When it comes to school, I would say I am take more of the lead on school and schoolwork and what's happening. So I might know more about when the exams are, what's happening in terms of revision, who's done what, where somebody might need some help. I'd say as they get older, and I don't know if you found this, as they get older, I think because of their sport and they know they have a limited amount of time, if they've got free time, they know they've got to revise. So actually, I don't feel that I have to keep an eye on the older one at all because she's just getting on with it. The younger one does need a little bit of structure and tends to leave things to the last minute. So I would be more on that and I would be more encouraging, let's say, rather than nagging. <laughs> in trying to say, well, actually, if you start now, you'll feel less stressed and panicky when it comes to the time. So I would be more on that. And then when it comes to specific subjects, there are some where I have no clue whatsoever. Everybody in my family knows I failed every physics exam I ever sat. So they won't ask me anything about physics, but there's some things, you know, I'll help with languages and my husband will have no clue. So we kind of balance it that way. I'd be more in tune with the school agenda. So if there needs to be a communication with school, I'm more likely to be the one who does it. Whereas if it's with a hockey club, then he will do it. 
Interestingly, in our house, it was the other way around. So Michelle's the organised one who would know who needed to be where when and would quite literally just pack me off with a postcode and a game and a kit and a child, like Jake, and send me and I'd do that. But actually with the, the schooling, it would, I'm not sure quite why. I think maybe because sort of the personalities really with myself and Jake, that it was more down to me to sort of deal with that what happened at home bit. Now you said that your girls are quite are quite different in their approaches and I'm not sure I might be sort of overextending that to say then their personalities but do you find yourself easily switching between modes for how you talk to one and the other or do you find it quite tricky to think well why can't you just be and obviously as parents we never say this out loud but oh my god why can't you just be a bit more organized like your sister? <laughs> <laughs> No, I wouldn't say that. And I'm I'm not sure I thought that, actually. I didn't think I thought be more organised like your sister. But I think you just learn, you just learn about your children, don't you? So I think, you know, one of them is very much, we argue, she's more like me. No, she's not. She's more like me because she's organised and structured and has lists and gets on with it. The other one, I think I have learnt the hard way how to have those conversations, when to have them, how to have them. So definitely, 100%, I deal with them completely differently but then I suppose one is a lot more fiery than the other so if you get it wrong if you kind of choose the wrong moment to have a conversation there will be a drama and a blow up potentially and so you just need to keep it keep it calm and just go on their agenda not yours that's what I've learned. One of the greatest I think almost innate gifts that we as parents have is that ability to manipulate <laughs> in the nicest possible way because you as you say you sort you know your children better than than anybody else and so you know the levers to pull and even if sometimes the red mist that's descended means that you might tweak the wrong lever by mistake typically you wouldn't do anything to antagonize the situation because you know it's not productive isn't it yes and i think you know at the end of the day my children are very different but they won't both want the same outcome they both actually want to do well they both want to do well at school. They both want to have good grades. If one of them doesn't do as well as they thought they were going to, you know, they'll be texting me, oh, gosh, I only got this, but this is why. If you know you're all on the same path, that's really reassuring. It's just you might have different journeys to get to the end. Yeah, so I don't worry too much about them. You know, it would be easy to pull them together because they're the same gender, they're a very similar age, they're at the same school, you know, they're the same height, they've got the same hair colour. You know, it's very easy to say put them in the same box but they definitely are not they'll have very different life experiences mine are very different but the youngest is a girl and the oldest is a boy so i sort of thought it might be down to that but i wonder how much of that is due to not wanting to be like the other one so because your eldest is quite organized do you think that reflects then on the youngest who then sort of thinks well i'm not going to compete against that i'm going to go my own way i'm going to do my own thing or is it, is it something else i think they have similar goals so I think they both, you know, they both enjoy sport. They both want to do well at sport. So as much as I will say to the to one of them, do something different to your sister, they always end up doing the same thing. They rarely will choose different things. They are different people. And I don't think there's anything deliberate about it. They're just different people who will do very differently in life. So so I have an example that I, I talk about with people quite a lot. So when they were in junior school, they used, both used to have to do a project and they'd have a week to do a project and you'd have a massive A3 book and you'd have a double page spread and you'd have to fill that double page spread. And the more flaps and gizmos you could have on this thing, whatever the topic was, 
So the older one, look at the blank sheet of paper and say, I've no idea what to do. It's got to be perfect and it's got to be better than everybody else's. But wouldn't know what to put on the page. If you then gave them the, gave them the idea of what to put on the page, then they would do it. The younger one would look at the page and go, oh my God, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And didn't care how many flaps or gizmos or what it looked like. Just throw yourself into it and be creative and come up with something completely different. That's quite a good example of how they approach life. Incredible illustration. Aside from the fact that actually made me shudder at remembering learning logs, as they were called in Oh my school. God, learning logs. That's what they were. <laughs> <laughs> hours, hours spent. I mean, they became almost parentally competitive, I think. It was a, a stage where you could see... Competitive like, parents. Exactly right, that there was no way that this child created a pop pirate ship to scale and managed to glue it. To... And you think... <laughs> Why are you getting like seven help? Anyway, that aside. <laughs> there is a separate business in selling your learning logs from the past or Anderson's shelters. You know, if you've got one, <laughs> there's a strong chance a child didn't make it. I think you could make a fortune. I think you could do it at studybuddy.com forward slash learning log template. That's not a real thing before anyone <laughs> thinks of nipping over to the website and have a look. I think if you found out, oh, you know, in, in the curriculum when the Anderson shelters generally were handed in on that Sunday morning, I reckon if you put one on eBay, you'd get a few hundred quid for it. <laughs> uh, but it is, it's a thing though, isn't it? That parenting competition and certainly in the younger years that definitely distinctly remember them where you look and you go, there's no way the child has even touched that they've not been allowed to touch it because they couldn't don't want to smudge anything or or do anything and i must admit that i think the vast majority of us would put ourselves in the camp of well actually that wasn't me although might have had a steer or a hand but i wonder that how much of that then sort of impacts what the child does later on. Because as you say, with the youngest one, they're like, I'm in this, I'm gonna have some fun, I wanna do this, I've got all of these ideas bristling around. And she's got to help their, sort of their, their approach to creativity and all of these kinds of things later on. Yes, I think it does. And I, I think also it says something about being sort of, I don't wanna use a work term, but sort of self-starting. I feel a little bit like, you know, in the conversation, I've kind of painted one as, as kind of, you know, glowing and, and, and organized and perfect and one a bit disorganized. But I think it's not like it's not like that at all. And they have very different strengths. So actually, I think a good example is Duke of Edinburgh. So Duke of Edinburgh bronze, you know, they have to do a volunteering and they have to learn a new skill. The older one, no, I no, don't really know what to do. Well, how about this? Okay, I'll do this, but can you get in touch with them? And can you ask them if I can go and do the volunteering? Because I don't really, you know, I don't really want to pick up the phone. And I'll go and I'll do it. And when I'm there, she'll do it really well. But actually getting it instigated, a bit out of the comfort zone. Whereas the younger one comes home and says, right, can you take me to so-and-so tonight? And we're like, yeah, why? Well, because I'm volunteering hockey and uh, I've spoken to the coach and that's all fine and I've sorted it all out and you just need to take me there at this time. And I'm doing this as my new skill, so that's okay and I'll do it in this time. So totally different approach. Just I'm sorting it out myself and that's really refreshing. You think, wow. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting because we do tend to sort of label this view of, of teens, I think, and children in particular, of organised, therefore the perfect kind of student disorganized and therefore I need to do something about it. Whereas in actual fact, I think that as you just explained, I mean, there's, there's so many other skills that almost seem to go hand in hand with the more, the more chaotic, the, the less organized tend to be 
sort of more creative and I mean, mostly because they have to be <laughs> parking back to my own school days and some of maybe even my early career of actually you, if you're not naturally the person who would make the lists and schedule and organize then actually you need to be faster thinking on your feet you need to be a bit more confident about things and they're not good and bad traits i just think as you as you said early on actually they're just they're just different traits aren't they they make them different people yeah they're very different and i think they will have different paths and different you know journeys through life because one is naturally well i'm just going to get on and do this and the other is a bit more I'll do it, I'll do it brilliantly. So a perfect sports person, I need to get from A to B as fast as I can. I can do that and I'll keep doing that until I'm the best at doing it. Whereas the other one you say, right, well, you've got to go to B. Well, I'm not going to B, I'm going via C and D. And why should I go to B? And you will have had, you know, you'll have had this whole amazing conversation. You know, and I always say, you know, the one who's the list maker and more organised, I can sit in the car with her for two hours and we might not say anything to each other. We just will think about things and now and again we might pass comment. I'll sit in the car with the one who's a bit more chaotic and we won't shut up for two hours. It's really remarkable how different they are. I think what's lovely is that actually they both have that same sort of drive towards success, that ambition that you that you talked about, even if they're going to get there in different ways. And no doubt that they'll get there, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. But I wonder whether, does it sort of reflect differences between you and your husband? Are you Are you both very similar or would you say that actually one of you and I'm I'm going to go out on a limb and, and suggest if anyone it would be your husband. It's slightly more chaotic and less list oriented. No, I think we both are. Oh wow! So I would hate to say that one of us is a bit more last minute than the other, and I'd say perhaps that's where the younger one. I see the younger one more like my husband, more creative in in thinking. So I'm much more of a creative thinker and also analyse things. So I'd say there's more of a similarity there. So we were recently on holiday and I was with my younger daughter and she was just really quiet. She was just sitting there quietly and not really having a conversation. I was like, you know, are you okay? And what are you thinking about? Oh, you know, nothing really. And I said, I said, you know, it's really strange. You know, she just doesn't say anything. And my husband said, well, that's just like living with you. <laughs> I thought, oh, God. We just sit and think, but we're not very vocal. Whereas they are, one, the other two are more wanting to kind of, let's talk about things. Why is this happening? Why is that happening? You know, a classic from my younger daughter, we were driving along the motorway one day. And she said, Mum, she said, is electricity heavy? She was about six. <laughs> I'm thinking, where did that come from? In your mind. So I'd say very different. And that's the type of random thing that my husband would probably say. And like any parent, you know, when they're naughty, you say, well, they're just like you. And mm. when they're good, they're just like me. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure everybody does that. <laughs> no, I never got away with that. <laughs> my husband and I are quite, you know, we will write lists. We will have priorities. We'll talk about what we do. We're quite task focused. So on the weekend, it'll be like, oh, you know, God, what have we got to do this weekend? I think when we are with somebody who's not like that, so one of them is not like that, then we do find that quite hard to deal with. That chaos, we, we, we struggle a little bit with that. And we really have to kind of check ourselves to not, judge too much but you know quite interestingly in lockdown so one of the girls was having school she had her lessons in her bedroom she had the camera on the camera had to be on all of the time and so her bedroom was perfect because everybody could see so the younger one I think she also had to have her camera on 
but I really didn't care what state her bedroom was and it was a bomb site and she would be on her lesson and she'd have her phone at the side probably like every child having a chat with her mates you know she recreated the back of the classroom perfectly on zoom because her friends are on the phone while she's in the lesson and I'm thinking oh my god you know what's going to happen and actually when it came to parents evening they were like well Evie's been amazing she's the only one who puts her hand up she asks questions she's interacting with us all the time and that was completely not the impression I was getting going into her room I was thinking this child is not interested there's chaos she's talking to her mates she's not listening and she said well mum you know when the teacher asked a question nobody would answer and I felt really sorry for them so I put my hand up and I'd engage that's a lesson for me ignore the chaos just look at the output yeah i think that is so interesting especially if the child is so different to the way that we are that you do tend to make not snap judgments but you, you sort of if i were in that position then i know i wouldn't be able to concentrate or i wouldn't be able to do this or i wouldn't be whereas as you say in actual fact the child is, is working differently it's just a, a different way of working yeah and they don't notice the chaos around you so you know it doesn't matter that last night's dinners on the desk with the dog brush and you know, a bit of makeup and perhaps some clothing that should be in the dirty linen basket and your laptop's balanced on the top. That doesn't matter. That All that seems, you seems to be able to block all of that out and just focus on what's happening. Which is lovely. I mean, that's... A remarkable yeah, skill. <laughs> which is the kind of thing you want, really, isn't it, for your child to be sort of that, that, that level of calm and relaxed about stuff. I mean, there is a danger, I think, that the less a child is like that, the sort of the there's a fear of perfectionism and actually that leads to anxiety you can worry then as a parent can't you that actually you're taking this all is it all becoming too much is it all too serious do you need to do something something else and so I wonder if you see that difference between your children and I suppose more in particular with the eldest who, who strives for perfection it seems no I don't I don't sense a lot of anxiety in in either of them that I think is really deep rooted, that is cause for concern. So it would be anxiety around... Not doing your homework. <laughs> well, like, like mm. last night, last night I forgot my homework. And so you kind of think, okay, so, the, you know, we can write to the teacher and just say, look, I was volunteering last night, I had the lesson today. Really, you're not supposed to give me homework for the next day, you're supposed to give me a couple of days. So actually, we know that school is really supportive if you've got a sporting fixture and you can't do it. So we try and sort of break it down so actually you know don't worry about it there's a way out of it so actually if it's a bit of geography homework and it's not an exam and it's not a test it doesn't really matter that you haven't done it because they have so little time or because not that they have little time because they choose to fill their free time with sporting stuff we just learn to say look this doesn't matter it doesn't matter. I, you know, I've got a test tomorrow. I have a revised rate. Do you know what? If you fail this test, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean you're dreadful at this subject. It just means that over the last few days, you haven't had time to revise. And I guess what we try and do is try and teach them, choose the things that are really important and don't stress too much about the ones that aren't. Because, you know, you're not, you're not just, they're not just sitting down, chatting to their mates, watching TV, wasting time. They're generally out doing something that I think is quite purposeful and they enjoy and they're good at, you know, extracurricular stuff. So don't beat yourself up. And that's quite often my way. I mean, I do get cross when, you know, the one was getting, well, the young one was getting a bit uptight, worrying about, you know, I've got exams in three weeks time and I haven't done any revision and oh my God. Yeah, but you've had two weeks off. You could maybe have done something. But actually, I know that saying that is not really going to get us anywhere. That one does actually have a study buddy. And I said to her, well, look, 
you've got that on the wall. Let's just start start writing things up on it. So that'll just make you feel a bit better this evening. I'm not sure 10 o'clock at night is the time to be doing it. But if it makes you feel better, just write a few lists, go to sleep and we'll deal with it tomorrow. One of the key things that from, from that experience that you were talking about is that supportiveness. You need to know, I think, children need to know that their parents have got their back. So as you say, this geography, it's not we are where we are, firstly, and it's it's not the be all and end all. So what do you need me to do? We can write, we can do all the other things that you explained. But there's always then a line, isn't there, where you say, well, I'm happy to be supportive, but you're also sort of the master and mistress of your own destiny. So if you're anxious about having not being prepared enough for a test, then what are you going to change about that next yeah. time? You know, they are... 14 and 15 you get to a point you think I've, I've done as much guiding and, t and teaching as I really can there's only more, so many times you can say you know this is where your clothes are they will be in this drawer if you put them in this drawer they'll be there when you need to find them or you need to plan for your exams or you need to do this and I took the decision in April to go back into full-time work because I kind of felt I've, I've I'm not walking away from them, but I kind of felt I've done my day-to-day -day job. Do you know what I mean? I've taught them the skills to get through the working day or the school day and what they need to do. I can't just be sort of nannying them all the time. At some point, they're going to have to, you know, if they've forgotten their school kit, I'm really sorry, but I can't bring it in now because I'm at work. And I think at some point they've got to learn those lessons. And I think it's really easy. And we live relatively close to their school. So literally, it's five minutes to drive if they've forgotten their kit. And I am more likely to go, you've forgotten it. I'm really sorry, but I'm not bringing it in because you've got to learn to remember it. Whereas my husband will go, I'll be there in two minutes. So, you know, I'm very much, and maybe that's a male-female thing. I just think as a woman, you need to be independent. You need to stand on your own two feet. So you've got to remember stuff and don't rely on mum and dad packing your bags. You're old enough now. You need to do it yourself. And I'm prepared to let them crash and burn on the days that they forget to do that because that's the only way they're going to remember that they've got to do it exactly right if your safety net's always there and it's i mean i don't need to carry the bag because dad will bring it along later then actually what lesson have you learned other than the fact that dad's a bit of a mug and i say that with nothing but love and affection because that would have been me driving 20 miles 20 minutes rather than 20 miles to drop a school kit off yeah and i think they get to an age and you just think i need to stop doing this now because at some point in the not too distant future, they're going to leave home. And if you keep leaving the bathroom in the state you leave it in, your housemates are really going to start to hate you. <laughs> or if you never clear up or wash your dishes, you know, you're going to come to blows. So in life, they've got to start having the life skills. And, and I think I, I don't know if it's conscious or unconscious, just thought, do you know what? They don't need me as much. They, they can do this on their own. And actually, if I can't take them to school, they can walk. It's not that far. They're old enough or they can sort out a lift with somebody. You know, it's not my work is done, but that day-to-day hand-holding, they can do it on their own now. I maintain that my life is hectic, and I reckon the majority of parents out there listening will feel the same. And I don't think I'm wrong to wonder how it all gets fitted in, even though between sport volunteering, two GCSE-aged teens and full-time jobs, I think that Jenny and her husband might actually deserve some kind of award. What I loved about hearing Jenny talk is the idea of structuring what you can control, in her case the matches, the meals and, and so on, but also being there for each other when things fall between the cracks, that story of her youngest daughter not getting her homework done. I think it's so important that our teens know that we're there to support them. It's that kind of loyalty and trust 
that really builds the strong bonds and help them grow into confident people later in life. What also really stood out for me is how her two daughters are simultaneously very, very similar. They want to do well, they're sporty, same hair colour and so on, and yet seemingly very different too, especially in their approach to study and forward planning. I think it's really interesting that this can often be seen as a good versus bad approach. I mean, how many of us would jump to the conclusion that the idea of being very structured and methodical is the ideal? But what's really fascinating is that I don't think we'd ever want that at the expense of any other trait for our children, just ideally a little bolt-on. And that, in particular, I think is a really hot topic with exams and study looming. For those of us with children who aren't naturally or perhaps instinctively organised, we want them to find ways and we want to be able to support them with being more organised without actually crashing the other aspects of their personality that make them them. Another big takeaway for me was that we know our children better than anyone. And we've heard it before with lots of other guests, and it's absolutely something that we should be keeping hold of. I think we should feel increasingly confident in the decisions that we take and the routes that we want to in supporting them, no matter how different they are from each other or from ourselves. My thanks to Jenny for finding the time to talk to me today and for you for listening. If you enjoyed listening to another parent talk about their experiences, how would you like to be on a future episode and share your own story? Real mums and dads chatting about how things are going for them. If you are up for that, please don't hesitate to drop me an email. The address is hello at thestudybuddy.com. And if you're looking for ways that you can support your own young person to develop good study skills and time management approaches as they come up to their GCSEs and A-levels, then why not head over to the Study Buddy website. There you'll find a whole host of information about our innovative time management and study organising approach, but you'll also find a blog packed full of articles with useful hints and tips. To find out more, why not make a beeline for thestudybuddy.com. If you found yourself nodding away to this episode, or perhaps you found a nugget of something you're going to try with your own teen, would you mind leaving us a review, and if it's not too much to ask, a five-star rating? It all helps us to reach other parents who, just like all of us, are trying to find some sense in the run-up to exams. Of course, please don't forget to share the link to this and other episodes on your social media weapon of choice. It's all greatly appreciated. There'll be another episode next week, so please don't forget to subscribe and follow the Study Sessions podcast.